Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Scottish Rugby <laughs> Podcast, brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cami Black. Johnny. Yes. I said you could have two minutes later on. <laughs> Johnny, for the listeners at home, Johnny was holding up our Fife logo to the camera. We'll come on to that later. Um, anyway, this is it's a special podcast tonight because it's yesterday, as we record this, that was Wednesday, was uh, the fifth year, 55 years of the podcast. So we're going to do a bit of a celebration tonight. We're going to look back at five years of rugby in Scotland and some of the influences we've had on that. Um, we'll then do a Patreon special where we're going to look back at five years across the whole of rugby as well as the podcast itself um, and have a bit of an indulge there because, to be quite honest, and for reasons we will discuss in the Patreon podcast, regular listeners, not our Patreons, don't enjoy our buffoonery sometimes. So... Buffoonery, that's such a strong word. Honest. Well, I don't know. That's total rhubarb. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, do you know, we'll ask... Johnny's one of the new, you know, the newer member to the pod. We'll ask him what he thinks of some of the clips I've got later on in the uh, Patreon (laughs) section. I can only imagine. I think some of my favourites might be in there. Yeah, so anyway, (laughs) if you want to sign up for our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash Scottish Rugby Podcast. For £3 per month, you get access to weekly bonus content now. Uh, So we do this main podcast for everybody. If you pay £3 a month, you get the main podcast advert-free, plus then you get another hour of bonus uh, content as well, where we we, we are we kind of a bit more freer, a little bit more of a chit-chat, less focused maybe. Drunker. <laughs> Drunk, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's very true, Ian. We are drunker. And also we swear. I should I should just put that word of note in there that there is, there is swearing in the uh, Patreon one. That's what you get for your money. Anyway, joining me on this trip down memory memory lane, uh, I'm pleased we haven't got Craig um, Craig Manson with us. Um, he's going to have literally to talk to me. He's... You're pleased you don't have Craig Manson. That's literally just <laughs> yeah, but... what you've you just said. He's because got a good only... reason, though. I've got a good reason because for reasons that we'll come on to, um, we have though got Ian here. Good evening, Ian. Hello. I'm happy with anniversary, as Roderick Mackay points out. Um, Is it wood? Yes, I, don't, I just looked it up while well, the theme tune was on. So yes, we've got wood. Not not so Keith Wood and his not Keith Wood and his pregnancy uh, yeah his pregnancy fetish that he revealed on the ninety seven Lions to a DVD. So grim, wasn't it? Really so grim. grim. <laughs> uh, we've also got John Anderson. You can hear there. Good evening, John. Yeah, yeah. My dogs at Tones are joining us tonight. Hi, folks. Hi, everyone. Welcome along to uh, our big birthday. Yeah, and we've got Johnny McGinty. Johnny, look, Craig's not here. And I'm really pleased because you can't, you know, you can't double down on this. But you can have, I said, you can have some time at the start of the podcast to talk about what happened at the weekend. I, you know, I'm tempted to wait until he is here because I feel a bit sorry for him that he's missing out. But um, no, very I'm pleased. Sure when he joins us in the Patreon bit, he'll deal with his <laughs> digs. Very pleased for the How first to. I was going to say eased to a demolition, scraped a very close win against Berwick at the weekend. Um, by all accounts, I was speaking to some of the boys through the week and they said it was a really good game. Um, close game, obviously. It was a close game in Berwick as well, but pretty big win for us, I think, and keeps it tight at the top of the table. So we'll see what happens for the next few weeks. Yep. So that's it. So it's one, we're, we're one apiece then for the mm-hmm. podcast derbies this year. So 
Hopefully we'll next year we'll manage to get to one if we end up at the same. I know that would be good. We will try and get to one. If you know, so you know, I mean, obviously it'll be disappointing when Barry get promoted and how don't um, <laughs> that won't happen. But we'll see. How anyway, many points are last made ahead. I don't know miles. I don't know who's <laughs> catching them. I think we've got Barry got loads of games in hand though. So, but we haven't played for two months pretty much because of COVID. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, there's that. At least, you know, it's a shame nobody filmed the game because when Beric won, uh, somebody filmed the entire game and I made Craig sit for 20 minutes and analyse it with me on the podcast. <laughs> oh. If I'd remembered that it was on before the night before, I might have uh, asked someone to film it for us. But I don't yeah. I, it slipped my mind. Well, there we go. I, th- um, I think it's important to note, Johnny. See, when I'm hosting, you don't have to put up with this. We, we don't have this. Like, like So Cam- Cammy's... You know, obviously, put up with your your putting the the program up at the. I would have literally just kicked you out. I mean, <laughs> I mean how many times did I kick Craig out for all sorts of nonsense? <laughs> just kept removing him from the stream. Go away. The problem is probably problem is everybody's got admin privileges now. I know, right? so just, <laughs> yeah, I'll just, I'll just come back. It's like literally, um, it's it's like the Cold War now. <laughs> Nobody dare take the first move because it'd be utter devastation on the live stream. So like that in my day. Mutually assured podcast destruction. Yeah, listen, um, look, we were going to have a brief chat about Europe, but Craig's not here, and and it's a bit like when a tree falls in a wood, does anybody hear it? If, you know, the Ember game isn't broadcast live on TV, did it really happen? Craig was there live. He could have, he could have confirmed that for us, but he's not here. Just like the big news from the weekend was the fact that Flinty McStagg is apparently back. <laughs> returned. That is not Flinty McStagg. It's an utter joke that they think that we'll just accept a brand new mascot <laughs> with a whole new costume. They haven't even like bothered to try and replicate him. I want to know where Flinty is. Where is Flinty? This is the big conspiracy. And if the Ember social media guys think that I'm letting this drop, they've got another thing coming. They don't know me. They should have just fully heel-turned and called the new one Tommy McHawk or something. I know, that would have been fine. But yeah. Ludicrous. If anybody I, knows, if anybody knows of, of what has happened to the real Flint Day, then get in touch. I'll, you know, anonymity will be assured. Hashtag Where's Flinty? Where's Flinty? Yep. Is this like Where's Dougie Donnelly, but with an Edinburgh mascot now? It's significantly you know, easier people, to spot. People saw, yeah, people found Dougie Donnelly though for us. They was <laughs> somebody found him carrying a bag for life <laughs> in Sainsbury's car park. It's fine, I, but, no, but nobody knows where Flinty is. I, I can sadly confirm due to correspondence, because uh, apparently now I'm a, a target for the cult on Twitter, so I can confirm via correspondence that in fact I was the most, I was the reason Edinburgh won so significantly. It was well, my motivational good. talk, so you're welcome. Basically. It's see and th- see what influence this podcast continues to wield over the world of Scottish rugby. That that John Anderson, you <laughs> and you know our, our our millions of listeners. You're, you're talking about. And, they're coached by a British and Irish lion. You know, you've got world class, world class rugby brains there. But obviously, what they needed was this guy to talk. Mike, Mike Blair's just there with a the live stream up in the team. <laughs> Look at this Joker, boys. This is what he thinks of you. Go up there, prove, you prove this man who's sat in his, you know, his dining room on a Wednesday night. <laughs> He's Good just cherries. been non-committal about how good you are. Now you go out and show that part-time French team how good you really are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. Uh, do you want to just timestamp that, Cammy, so we can send it to Greg? 
<laughs> he'll listen back. He'll, he'll, we'll all be sat minding our own business tomorrow, I reckon, about half past nine, and, and, and all of a sudden the group chat will light up as Craig <laughs> listens back to the first part of the podcast. I would be surprised if his under-18s have gone fully feral and he's just sitting watching the live stream, to be honest. <laughs> just, just do that again. Whatever you're doing, do it again. I'm busy. I can't believe what these boys are saying. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> um, do you want to talk about Glasgow? Not really. No. no. Should we just move on? Yeah. No, I mean, you, not, home, so let's not talk about Glasgow. You're not in a you're not in a real competition now, John. Well, do you know that was the question that was posed to me. Uh, if you know, if Glasgow uh, do move to the Diddy Cup, does that no longer make it the Diddy Cup? Uh, and do you know the great thing about being right about it being a Diddy Cup is I continue to be right despite the fact Glasgow are there. So it's now. <laughs> You know, and actually, it's like, you know, it's like a Diddy Cup that we didn't even need to qualify for. That's that's how Diddy it is. So, aye, it's not a real, not a real cup. Yeah. So, anyway, we'll move, we'll move on from that. We're going to dwell on Glasgow. We, we, you know, none of us were. We've seen that. I've seen the Ember highlights. It looked, they looked fine. As Johnny said, they looked as good as I would expect them to be against that opposition. And I thought the young lads took the chance as well. So there you go, Embra fans. I've I've analysed the match that I was able to watch. <laughs> anyway, I said anyone going to pay a fiver to watch Glasgow because I don't think I'm going to bother. It's oh, so you're giving your money now. to you're giving your money to European rugby though. Do you right? give your money to European yeah. rugby? You're giving your money to Dublin. It basically it's like funding Irish rugby, as far as I can tell. <laughs> Paying for Johnny Sexton's new boots. Well, that's it. He looks, by the way, he looks like what. I expected Johnny Sexton to look like if you put him through one of those app generators that make him look like an old man. He just looks like that now. <laughs> He's got the wrinkles and the grey hair. So it reminds me of, you know, like when all the characters came back and the 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 re the you know the the Force Awakens, the the new Star Wars movie, and they brought back all the the OG characters and it's like, oh wow, they all got really old. It's basically like that. So it's, it's Sexton is the Force Awakens of uh Six Nations rugby. <laughs> He looks like he's had work done as well. He does, yeah. His, his hair was looking pretty svelte, like you know. Obviously, in Scottish rugby, we are we're, we're big fans of a, you know, a a, a, re, a reconfigured hairdo. Uh, so it was it was good to see, you know, taking care. Interesting of to know if it's if it's full plugs or whether or not it's one of those pens that um, Tim from. Uh, that Channel 4 Breakfast show is hawking on Facebook at the minute where you draw your hair on your head, as far as I can tell. I think I'm going to go full... I think it's proper wig. I think he's actually just sporting a wig. And, like, I wouldn't be surprised to see him wearing a scrum cap. Well, but there we go. I mean, it would, you know... That would be a sight to behold. Anyway... Everyone that talks about how one-eyed we are, by the way, is going to be thrilled that we just decided to completely ignore Glasgow getting battered to talk about... <laughs> <laughs> Glasgow, Glasgow are crap. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Glasgow are <laughs> I mean, crap. There's not really a lot more you can say. Barrasdale but... left seven tries on the park and should have absolutely scalped Glasgow. There you go. And we've, yeah. you know, we've. There's nothing we haven't talked about in the last few weeks about Glasgow's problems that we wouldn't just be repeating. So they going back and listen to last week's podcast. I think we had. We <laughs> had a good go. Same thing. Said the same thing. Probably two weeks before that as well. And... Yeah. <laughs> 
So yeah, we should just what we should do is we should just kind of like if we were organized, we could just like you could just clip yourselves analyzing Glasgow's defense and how bad it is, and we'll just play it every week as like almost like a jingle. I mean, you could also like if you really are desperate to hear my views on Glasgow, do feel free to go over to, to Scrum of the Earth because I am in depth giving Glasgow a slapping on there. <laughs> anyway, look, let's let's actually move on from this because I said we'd move on about three minutes ago and uh, somehow we've we, we've we've analysed the Glasgow game. It's poor, it's it's poor chairmanship. Come on. I know. Well, there we go. Um, look, we're going to look back now at the last five years of Scottish rugby. Um, this is going to be lots of fun, I think, because there were lots of things I hadn't remembered about the last five years. Which, given that we've done a podcast pretty much every week for the last five years, surprised me. And I don't know if it's because I've spent too much time talking about Scottish rugby that it's all a blur, or whether or not I've got memory, you know, early onset memory issues that I need to get uh, checked out. We'll find out through the podcast, which it is. We we started back in 2017. Um, Vern Cotter was still in charge, although he was in his last. We knew he was going at that point because Gregor Townsend was taking off, taking over. Um, the first game we covered was uh, the Ireland game where we won 27-22, which felt like quite a monumental... That felt like a monumental win, that, John, that game. Yeah, what, yeah. so that that's the famous uh, Greg Laidlaw pose game, isn't it? Pose game, yeah. Nails his kick and just... Rugby Jesus pose, yeah. Was Jim Hamilton at his destructive best during that no, game? No, so, so it's interesting to look at the first, the first team that we would cover. I thought, well, look at the first one, look at the most recent, because it's interesting yeah. to compare where we've gone. So you've got, um, going from back to front, you've got Hogg, Maitland, Hugh Jones, um, then you've got um, Alec Dunbar, Tommy Seymour, Finn Russell, Greg Laidlaw. Then in the scrum, you've got uh, Alan Dell, Fraser Brown, Xander Ferguson, Richie Gray and Johnny Gray. Ryan Wilson, Hamish Watson, and Josh Strauss on the bench. Ross Ford, Gordy Reid, Simon Bergen, Tim Swinson, John Barkley, Ali Price, Duncan Weir, and Mark Bennett. Hey, that bench gives you the fear, though, doesn't it? Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> if only we weren't still using most of that same bench for Glasgow this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure John Barkley could still get a game for the Swiss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, it's, it's really interesting because actually when you were going through those names, Cammy, a lot of those still, obviously, five, five years is a long time in professional sport. And actually to see the amount of names that are still settled or, or you know, I guess with a couple of exceptions, if they were to name that starting 15 tomorrow, you wouldn't be completely devastated, obviously swapping out those that have retired. Yeah. I was surprised at how, yeah, I was surprised at the longevity of some of the players that are in there, um, particularly Xander. I don't know why. I mean, that's five years of Zandbags. He must have only been 19 or 20. I think it must have been second yeah, season because I think. Caps, I think. Well, the tw- didn't he got capped? I think his first cap was 2016 Calcutta Cup because I was. Cap- he got capped at 18. His, his yeah. debut was at 18. So at the, that was the Calcutta Cup in 2016. Yeah. So it's his first full Six Nations, this. So 19 going on 20. Yeah. Jeez. For a, for a, for a, for a tight head drop. Just a baby. That's that. And he was putting his, putting his copious frame about the place, fighting with everybody that would look at him. 
No, I remember they, they went to Spider-Cam and Paul O'Connell was pointing out that Ireland were boring in on him and it was just bad refereeing because they were just bullying the young boy. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah, Who was yeah, the referee I, that day? The referee that day was... Oh, no TMO, just vibes. It's Roman. Yeah. Bart. <laughs> oh, no. There we go. There we go. Oh, Roman. The defence rests. <laughs> but, we won, but I think the thing is that, that Scotland won that game and then we beat Wales in 2017 and Italy, which we'll get, I want to get on to that in a minute, that Italy game. Wait, Wales was, was emotional. the game that me, me and Rory were at. Was that that? Was that the game you covered that? Because one of our... Was that the game that you saw um, You saw Warren Gatland at? Yes. Yeah, he was just down from us and he had a face like fizz on him. He looked at you. I think we called the podcast at the time Midlife Gatlin because he had that yeah. little scrawny beard on him at the time. He, did, he looked he, like he was uh, having a, yeah, a midlife yeah, he was, crisis. He was on his, he was on his uh, year sabbatical to uh, yeah to go and pick the Lions for like, the 18th time. Um, and he was watching the game. He, he genuinely looked absolutely furious with the result. You know, And obviously, me and Rory are going bonkers up in the press box. Uh, <laughs> and Gat, Gats is just not, he's not having none of it. It was, uh, yeah, that was a proper midlife crisis from a match, right? It was, yeah. But that, I mean, that, that 2017 Six Nations, Johnny, felt like the start. When you look back at it now, it really felt like the start of something. Although it was the end of the kind of Vern Cotter era and Townsend was, was kind of taking over, actually, you look back at Scotland, haven't done badly since then. No, yeah. It was, I think we kind of started to see certainly going forward the Scotland that we still see and that we kind of got quite used to enjoying seeing because it wasn't always pleasant to watch up, up until sort of 2015 2016 was when it kind of started to develop and then it really hit its stride in 2017 and has mostly the Scotland attack stayed like that basically from that Six Nations onwards um, so yeah I think there's a couple of really enjoyable games that year yeah and what about you, Ian? I mean, you kind of see uh, that as the start of things for this Scotland team. Um, well, you know, you've got the 2015 World Cup when we were so close to the semi-final. Um, you know, I suppose that was like when Finn Russell had his first big introduction onto the world stage. Same with Hogg and that. Um, so uh, how did we do in the 2016 Six Nations? That... Badly. That was was that, that yeah. was the um, we got. Did we get the wooden spoon that year? In fact, that's fine. No, no I think we? we were last. We were second to. I think we were second to last because I, Italy beat us in the last game. But I think we'd beaten somebody else that year. Right. Um, so I suppose that was the start, and then, but it was inconsistency. Then I think from twenty seventeen we've been more consistent. Um, we've not been getting scalped. Uh, really, by anyone, whereas you know, 61 21 and whatnot. Um, uh, 2019 World Cup, we were dreadful, but uh, since then, uh, I think those issues have been been ratified. Um, you know, uh, Townsend just discovered that he has to be a bit more pragmatic. Um, and uh, well, I think recent results show that we're on, on the right path, and also we have Duhan now, so. There we go. Well, we whether we do or do not have do hand uh, may depend on whether he was on holiday or ill. Um, <laughs> the um, the the injury. I mean, looking at it, I've just gone through John Otas. How did we do? Did you get fine twenty sixteen, John? Uh, so, yeah. So twenty sixteen, we actually twenty sixteen was the year we gave uh, we gave Italy uh, a, a bit of a going over, 
Um, and we also scalped France, and we finished in fourth. So actually, I mean, even oh, was that the Duncan Taylor one? Uh, that what? No, it was the Visser, uh, the Stuart Hogg over the head one. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, and Taylor scored late. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Um, aye, from a breakdown penalty, he won the breakdown yeah. penalty and just went. See more on it. So actually, I mean, that's six years then, where Scotland haven't won the wooden spoon for six over six years now, which, given we were regular, kind of was us or Italy for the best part of a decade. That's a fairly strong upward trajectory. I think it goes. I think there's one year we've. I've just scrolled through it. One year we got fifth, but mostly it's third and fourth every year. Is this, is this the best that we can hope for, not being wooden spoon contenders? Come on, Cammy. <laughs> well, I know, but it, but it's a, it feels like progress, given that because before the podcast, like, I was I was writing for the blog, and honestly, like trying to find anything positive pre pre twenty fifteen was a slog. There was one. I mean, Vern came in, and there was that victory against Argentina, which even then we still almost managed to mess up by letting them back in in the last ten minutes. And Rob Harley getting the most ridiculously yellow card you've ever seen. Yeah, I was. But, I was at that game and was just desperately excited because I went. Like, it was the first Scotland game I'd went to in ages, and I was like, "This is what Scotland do now. We score tries like mad people, and we see points like mad people. This is great." I had a Facebook memory the other day of do you remember when we when we scored three tries past the All Blacks, but they still somehow like they absolutely mullered us. Was that when Vester scored two? Yeah, I was absolutely yes. made up that day because we yeah. scored three tries past the All Blacks. So that was amazing. I've got my, there was a video of me singing simply the best drunk in a German <laughs> beer market afterwards <laughs> because I was so excited. But that's that's what I mean, John. That was the that was literally the most exciting thing that had happened in Scottish rugby was we'd scored some tries past the All Blacks, even though they'd beaten us. But now, and I think this is probably where the the change that's been in the podcast is that we expect more from Scotland now than we did when we first set out on this. I think I expect more from Scotland now than I probably ever have since I was, I mean, I would have been, what, 14, 1999? So since I was like a rugby-watching adult, this is the this is the most I've expected of Scotland. Since the Six Nations began. It was pretty bleak for a really long time. (laughs) Like, there's no getting away from it. (laughs) Yeah. But then also, though, that 2017 Six Nations was the year that we got absolutely scalped by England down in um, down at Twickenham. A lot of mitigating factors. Um, Matthew Ree and Al being one of them. Well, Uh, that's true. And also we got Ali Price ended up on the wing. mm Mm-hmm. Seymour uh, and Hogg both off off with concussions. Mario Toji absolutely smashed Stuart Hogg in that game, and should have been yeah. yellow carded. And it, it was a proper like it, he left the elbow in just to make sure that he, yeah, it was pretty dreadful actually. And I reacted by giving everyone zero out of ten. You the, did. <laughs> apart from apart from uh, the recently retired Gordy Reid, Gordy Reid got five out of ten for his try. Mm. Um, Jones I think you gave Hugh Jones two, didn't you? Two because he scored tries. a try, tries, and Ali yeah. Price got five out of ten for effort on the wing. <laughs> Everybody else got zero. Zero. Yeah. Oh yeah, but it just—I think at that point, that was probably the turning point in the match ratings on the blog. It just felt pointless <laughs> trying to give anybody match ratings in a game we'd like lost so badly. Yeah, I mean, like, so, yeah, it was. I remember it was the optimism that was again <laughs> back to our point about Scottish rugby and the optimism killing you. It was the because we had the chance of winning the tournament going down there, or 
I believe, I, were we still in the tournament? What do, um, what, what do that, we the opening five minutes of that game, I think about roughly the opening five minutes of that Fraser game. Fraser Brown got the yellow card. And of this, and of this I, weekend. This weekend, Fraser Brown. <laughs> five so, years later, the same day. Never learned. <laughs> <laughs> I remember because I was watching the game and I was due to go on a night out. And I think we did leave early to go out. And I ended up at the solid in Glasgow and then ended up with pneumonia. So, you know, it's basically <laughs> nothing's, nothing's changed. What, you see, what, you what are <laughs> well, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, if the shoe fits. I think we, we, we can't. I think it. we may have been on as an outside chance. We'd already been beaten by France in 2017 <clears throat> away. Was it going to take some ridiculous turn of results like we'd have to scalp England and then hope that? France beat Wales by X amount. Yeah, I, I seem to remember it's going down though, and I remember because I remember this from the the Wales um, Millennium Stadium game where Price through where Harris played at twelve. Um, we went down with that same stupid optimism that the press were building us up, and I remember I seem to remember Ali Price talking to the press, and and it was just like we went down there believing we could win, and but like. We all thought we could win, but they didn't. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, though, that if you look at the final table, we were fourth, but we were actually joint second because from second to fourth, everyone had 14 points. Yeah. And then England got 19. So if we if we'd be, if we had beaten England, then we would have won the championship. And that was the first year, of course, of the bonus points as well. Yeah. So. But I think that's the one thing that makes me think, because... For a couple of years afterwards, the constant chat we had, I think, was did the SIU go too early with Gregor Townsend? Should the they have given Vern the Tuesday? Should we talk about the Tuesday? Should we talk about the Tuesday clock? Yeah, because that was the whole thing with the Tuesday clock. Of course, was like did did Scotland jump the gun when Gregor Townsend basically said, "I'm going overseas to coach," whether it was going to be England or France. I'm leaving Glasgow. I'd like the Scotland job, but if you're not going to give it to me, I'm off ski. And then the SO be like, oh, we can't lose the most promising young coach we've had in many a decade. Let's just <laughs> terminate Vern Cotter's contract, even though he's doing not too bad and he's nearly taking us to a World Cup semi-final. On reflection, Johnny, did the SRU make the right choice, do you think, given where we are now? Yeah, I mean, given that he's a British and Irish Lions coach now, you can't really argue too much with it. And there's also, I think, kind of bits, small bits and pieces have come out since then that possibly the Scottish dressing room with Vern was not the happiest place in the world. And so that very rarely gets better once it's started. I, I can't see if if there was players that were starting to, to not take well to Vern. Very rarely does that happen, and then all of a sudden he wins everyone back round. So I think that if that was true, it was only going to get worse. So probably right to move them when they did, then then let it get worse. <clears throat> Having said that, John, the reason we came up did we come up with the Tuesday clock before Finn Russell was kicked? No, out? I think it or was, was it as a result then, of it. I think I it was. It was a, 2026 20, Nations, I'm pretty sure. No, it was, it was. the 20, but it was the same year. That's the thing. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, though, because yeah. it was the year we came up with it after the World Cup. Uh, uh, yeah, well, it was. It was because of the World Cup. 
Um, I'm fairly sure the idea was first bandied around on our group chat after that ridiculous game against Ireland, um, where we, again, all went in with desperate optimism, <laughs> knew we were going to beat them, and got uh, pumped. Cuffed. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the Tuesday clock was out. Like, that was, I think there'll be a common theme comes out across like our analysis of the five years. Like, obviously, there's been lots of different segments, and Cammy's obviously been absolutely like a driving force behind some of the, the more creative items that we've looked at over the years. And a lot of them have polarised opinion. And the Tuesday clock was one that we got a lot of feedback at the time about how crass it was. And how, like, how it was a really you. good pun. Look, that, you can't waste a good pun like that. It was a cracking pun. And again, I actually mentioned it on another podcast and they were just like, that's class. <laughs> so, you know, it's you can't please everyone, I suppose, is the mantra for five years. But I think that's it. And Alan McDonald's on the comments. He's just made a good point. He says, you know, things weren't the happiest with Scotland after the 2019 World Cup and Townsend seems to have listened. And that was that was a big turning point because we started that Six Nations in 2019 talking, you know, talking about the fact that this was, Townsend's last big chance to turn things around. 2020 um, Six Nations, the last chance to turn things around. And, you know, after the Ireland game and everything, Finn Ross was like, he's definitely going to go at the end of the tournament. But actually, when we got, to be fair, we're nothing if not willing, open-minded on this podcast because I remember our review of that Six Nations when it eventually finished because of coronavirus was, do you know what? It wasn't as bad as it seemed at the start. The Ireland game was a lot closer, I think, than we'd realised we actually beat Wales away, albeit it was played in November or whenever it was. In we, um, and a game. Yeah. <laughs> in an empty stadium. Not yep. that I want to like, caveat the victory or anything. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'd lost to England, but again, albeit at Murrayfield, but albeit on a horrible, horrible nasty In a gale day. and then some. Yes, very narrowly. That, it wasn't, that... yeah. That 2020 championship was actually, and we talked about, it <clears throat> uh, was 2020 Steve Tandy's first championship with us, um, because that was that was a turning point. So actually, yeah. we talked in 2019, we'd obviously up to 2019, so almost this, this podcast's lifespan has the pre-fastest brand of rugby in the world trademark um, kind of precursor to that, and then it has the post almost like, let's call it the Hugh Jones era and the Chris Harris era, if we will. They are the yeah, front end of these years. The post Matt the, Taylor era. Well, the 2020 <laughs> Six Nations was the one we didn't lose. Any of the games we lost, we lost by seven points or less. And that has continued. 2021, we were four points away from the championship. You know, four, not, not four points on the table, Four in-game points, you know. That's like how. And we should have had a penalty against Wales. Yes, yes. Potato, potato. Uh, you know, you know, William, I like when I get bloody it. Williams. But that was a changing. That was a, a, a turning point for us. Being able to defend, we were, we were all so exciting in attack in those first few years, up to that World Cup. And even the game against Japan, where they tore us to shreds, we still scored some bloody good tries that day. And we looked good in attack. And it's like, 
there had to be a degree, there, something had to give. We either concede 30 points a game and lose games, but score 27 points, or you have to dial things back a wee bit. And we're still exciting, but we can actually defend now, which is great. Yeah. Felt I felt a lot less since Tandy and Harris came along. A lot less like we could lose any game that we're winning. Yeah. You know, yeah. Up, up until like 2019, like even through the World Cup, especially through the World Cup, we could be winning games at any point and, and being sat there thinking we could lose this. No bother. Whereas well, when we've got Tandy and that, Harris. Yeah. That's a more game that we what you know we nailed them in the World Cup and I kept watching going, they're gonna get a breakaway try, we're gonna we're gonna switch off in a minute and they're gonna come back into this. Yeah, and those two have been the difference. Tandy and Harris are the difference, I think. Remember the Samoa game from the previous World Cup? Which which, point, a point how was that? That was oh, you were there, weren't you? And I think we were both yeah. not together, yeah. but we were there separately. Newcastle. And then the um is it twenty seventeen autumn series? Uh where we gave away, I think it was Chris Harris's debut. It was Chris actually. Harris's debut, yeah. yeah. Oh, we gave away um, three tries in like the last five minutes or something. Yeah, we just, every time we scored, we just let them score straight away. Um, but they either went and nailed them, um, although maybe it's partly due to Samoa's players dropping off. It's getting on a bit. Um, but aye, we're doing all right. I think, I think we, we can talk <laughs> a lot about that, and we will talk, obviously, as we go through this, about the impact of certain players. Um you know, on this Scotland squad, and certainly I think prior to, well, you know, we've obviously mentioned Finn Russell already. I think almost his influence in shaping the way Scotland played from his debut in 2014 through to his exile was really important. But actually, if you're talking about the defining character in Scottish rugby in the last five years, it is Chris Harris. Like, it's the it's the rags to riches story of a guy who's been pillared by Scottish fans, including ourselves. Every one of us here is guilty of having criticised them, and you know, I I, I have no shame in that because we were commenting on what was in front of us. Little did we know Townsend was playing like eighteen D chess with well, Harris. That, well, that twenty eighteen Wales game was utterly ridiculous. It was, so. it was terrible. It was terrible. It was so. I remember clear as day that I either tweeted or put on Facebook after that 2018 game, uh, the Scotland bus should stop in Newcastle to let Chris Harris off on the way home and never pick him up again. And had to like rapidly eat my words by the time we got round to the 2026 Nations. So, and then um, made money off him getting picked for the Lions. There you go. <laughs> Alan says, Chris Harris gave Bruce Dillon PTSD so bad he panicked and forgot he should kick the game into touch in the last France <laughs> game. That is absolutely true. I'll tell you what I think was a big turning point game for Chris Harris was uh, a game me and you were at, Cammy, again separately, but we did meet for the first time that yeah, uh, yeah. France game on that scorching hot day. Yeah, uh, yeah. He scored a try, but um, also looked... That was the World Cup uh, warm-up. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, someone said, like, uh, so what, what do you think after that game? What's your, like, say, sum that up in five, sum word game up in five words. It's like Harris is on the plane. Yeah. He was phenomenal that day. Yeah, um, yeah. It, yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? Because he is, he was, he was a player, and we've had players like this in the past. And again, it's really, it's, it just shows, like, probably from our perspective, how you you do get caught up in the characters and the kind of the 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 rush of the fans quite often as well. Because obviously, we're all rugby fans first and foremost, and you get caught in the kind of the wave of that. And it was the same when Duncan Taylor made his Scotland debut, and I, I always kind of reference that as being like. An example of where a guy was rubbish on his debut and rubbish on like his first probably his first five 
almost six or seven caps. And then was all of a sudden, we were like, well, he's the best player in the world ever. He's amazing. Super dunk. Whoop, whoop. So, you know, judging a guy so early, Harris took his time to find his feet. But, you know, maybe maybe these professional coaches know what they're talking about. Maybe just maybe. maybe, maybe, but then that'd make the podcast that'd, that'd make the podcast really dull of every week. Oh, no, we're, we're, st- we're you know, still going to redundant. Welcome to the Scottish <laughs> Rugby podcast in Tunney We Trust. See you next yeah. week, guys. Well, we are still, <laughs> still going to criticize and argue, and we know that the SRU have to listen, so it makes it all the fun, all the more fun. <laughs> just to do that. What if, if can we go back then? And Johnny, what's, what's your kind of big memory of the last five years with Scotland? Highlight. Well, just a memory. What, what sticks memory. in your mind? Uh, Greg and Finn steaming with their ties around their heads. Oh, <laughs> and, yeah. and I honestly don't think it's close. I think that's that's the thing I think about most over the it's last. The defining image of Scottish rugby. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. But just the whole. It's the whole video though, because it's not just those two is the most famous bit, obviously. Yeah. But like. Hastings just with his big toothy smile. Because uh, that was free. He wasn't even in. He wasn't even in the squad that day. I think he was just there on the lash with them afterwards. And it's that, yeah. like you said, it's the interesting thing of that. Like he's, I mean, he, well, we've talked about this recently. He's not the second coming of Finn or the replacement, but he's 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 an up and coming player in the squad, and he's there in that clip. Yeah, Brilliant. it's just it's great. Hugh, I love it. Hugh Jones looking slightly uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you, John? Yeah, I think I think that that day as a whole actually was was like a, a real stat. Obviously, let's let's talk the pass. Uh, just you know, probably my most watched internet clip, maybe second most. Um, but yeah, probably <laughs> the safest for work video clip that I play regularly. <laughs> And even then, it's debatable. Uh, no, the, the, the pass, uh, Finn Russell just at his absolute best. And, and I think, well, I say best. I think he's a better player. He is a better player now. He's a much, much better player now. But that caught everyone's attention and was like, oh, wait, this guy can play a bit. And we're all sitting here having watched him for you know five years Six, six, seven years actually at this point going, yeah, I can do this anytime he wants. He has got those skills, but just beautiful, beautiful. Well, there's that photo from that game, isn't there, of, of Finn throwing, I don't think it's the pass, but a pass I, with and, Owen but, Farrell just looking absolutely kind of like agog. You've got it in the credits and the way through. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a marvellous photo. It's a marvellous photo. even more like Jello Bear's dog than usual. <laughs> And Finn just looks so, so chill. Just like, oh, it's nothing. I'm just, I'm just watching one off. I don't know. Did did Hugh Jones ever recover from that game, Ian? Genuinely. Well, he was okay, but the Cardiff game. No, the, the Calcutta Cup game. That that 2018, that's kind of, for me, that, that from my memory, that's the kind of, that's the peak of Hugh Jones' Scotland yeah. player. Someone's going to come back and tell me another game he played a blind and I'm sure he probably did, but that, that for me is the, after that, the it just didn't kick on. Um, maybe not. I mean, how can you kick on from a, a almost peerless performance like that? Uh, you know, there's obviously shortly after that um, form issues when he went to Glasgow. Um, he just got overplayed. Um, 
sorry, uh, Ronan's just spotted the free bag of Mowam that I've received today in the post. I'll tell you about that later. Um, and then, um, obviously, Chris Harris came along. Uh, you know, he got that nasty face injury where he suffered several small fractures. Um, I don't think it's maybe not kicker on, so it's just outside sources and influences um, affect his ability to do that. What, was it after that Six Nations? Because he, he did, he, I think he'd signed at Glasgow, he'd finished the he'd finished the Curry Cup and then he'd went to the Six Nations and then came to Glasgow. And I think that is, I think Cammy's absolutely right. I think it did start to go not downhill, but certainly no, sideways just, at that point. <laughs> I think, and I think that's it. It's just that that for me is always the peak. That that for me is where Hugh Jones peaked for Scotland, and he may have had good games after that. But I don't, you know, you think I can think of other games where Finn Russell has had exception. I can think of other classic Finn Russell performances. I mean, yeah. that's one of them. It's up there. But you know, you look, the 2019 Calcutta Cups up there as well for Finn Russell. But I, I can't think after that of any kind of time. I think, wow, that was, you know, Hugh Jones. Oh, then he had that other great game for Scotland. Yeah. And he's, yeah. some people have that. Some players have that, don't they? They have a they have their one great game and then they're not able to get over it. Daryl Marfo. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I mean, I always um, he did a great game against Sorry. Australia before. And, you know, you start to Daryl well. Marfo had one good autumn series. Yeah, yeah. That's not yeah. like Hugh Jones. Because Hugh yeah. Jones said that you know the the Hugh Jones England performance was just yeah it was the peak but we'd been expecting that because he'd been performing at a very very high level all the way through. Because yeah. I remember like like within like five minutes of the Australia game we're like who the hell is this guy when Finn Russell was going over the top? It was like oh, wow. so so impressive wasn't it? Craig's joined us. Hey. Hello. Hello, Craig. You all right? Good evening, Craig. Good evening, Craig. Uh, Johnny's already talked about how. Oh, he I just asked, he couldn't keep it in. He just couldn't keep it in. Is that about the how dominating Berwick uh, at the week, at the weekend? And I'm not sure. Dominate, I don't. I, come again? on, I don't think, think dominating is a stretch. The most one-sided seventeen fifteen I've ever, uh, ever played. Apparently, <laughs> well, I wasn't there, but from from what I've been told, uh, it was one-sided. But no, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> Certainly, the analysis on here has been one-sided. <laughs> it usually is, John. Is it not? I know, I know. Yeah, you should have heard this on, buddy. I'm the, by the way, I'm not talking to you, John. I'm, being, I'm, being, I'm keeping quiet. I know you better watch. Uh, like, right, Craig, say something to quickly cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were talking, Craig. We kind of talked about the things that, that stand out in our memory from the last five years of Scottish rugby. Is there anything that kind of particularly stands out for you in the past five years? Um, uh, the lack of uh, proper retirement for Ross Ford. Um, That's a good one. I had that uh, in my notes. Yep. Yeah, I thought that was uh, pretty rubbish. Uh, that's not so. That's not a positive. My goodness, I should really keep the positive. I think this. Can we Sorry. talk about Ford? Let's talk about Ross Ford because Ross Ford was, you know, I think he's a big figure on for the blog before the podcast started, and then that continued throughout the podcast. I think early <laughs> doors, we we came up with the idea that he was consistent. We didn't think he'd ever been less than six out of ten for Scotland ever in our player ratings, or more, and then or more, <laughs> and then for our tenth year anniversary pod, I did I, I did some stats, and I think I worked out that he was. He was more, but it was like 6.5 was his average rating across all the Scotland performances we'd ever given him. But I think 
we did a whole podcast about whether or not he was one of Scotland's. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whether or not you know Ross Ford was was one of Scotland's wasted talents, and it was that you know, was it Stuart McInally Craig who said when Richard Cockrell came in, he was he couldn't believe that they'd never had a throwing coach. That's right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Think poor bloody Ross Ford. Not only could he could he not hook, but nobody was teaching him how to throw in. Ah, but remember he, he was he, he was he was taught not to hook, and I always remember that conversation yeah. I had. And uh, I just. Uh, it was, um, you know, okay. I, I just think, apart from, apart from, you know, obviously, a lot of people say he's the most capped player in Scotland. Obviously, Donna Kennedy is, is has one hundred and eleven rather than hundred has hundred and ten. But um, you know, for the for someone who is the most capped male player within Scotland, um, for someone you know to be turned around and told that he's well, for for so many people to berate him as a rubbish player, he wouldn't have got one hundred and ten. Um, caps if he was rubbish, um, you know. So I, I think, um, I think as I say, and, and you covered it in the pod before, anyway. Um, but uh, he is a for me, he's a stalwart for Scotland, and he's someone that should be well remembered. You know. Do, do you think there's something, Craig? And like, this is a, a genuine question. This is not a Glasgow Edinburgh question. This is a Scottish rugby question. Let's not forget you... that Ross Ford was a Glasgow player. He never played for Glasgow, but he did go to Glasgow yeah, and he's yeah. seen the transfer to Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we tend to do it the other way now and we make the hookers good, but, you know, what ifs. Um, yeah, so, good at penalties. Uh, well, uh, We're giving yeah. away them. Uh, that's all right. First, first choice for Scotland, they'll come from our side. Uh, like, genuine question, like, so I think, and I think the Ross Ford situation was really interesting because the timing of the retirement... And maybe where Edinburgh were as a club, particularly with looking to clear out um, maybe some of the older players and some of the some of the players that might or might not have been part of a culture that had been indicative in Edinburgh rugby at that time. However, there's, there's also been other players who have retired as Edinburgh players who maybe the send off hasn't been quite as. Do you just think maybe Edinburgh don't jump up and down and celebrate their players retiring quite as much as say other clubs do? Um, I think I think they have that they started to, but then I think that they're starting to get a little bit more media savvy. I think Glasgow had the run on them for a long time when it came to social media um, and um, and being a little bit more out there. You know, you could you could see a lot more about where Glasgow were going and what Glasgow were doing, whereas Edinburgh tended to be kind of in the background and when we were being eighth and ninth in the league there wasn't a lot to shout about Aye. um but and I, I guess my uh, are we talking about scotland rugby or are we talking about scottish rugby as a whole as the as the high points cami uh, just scottish rugby as a whole craig i'm quite happy that the whole world okay. of scottish rugby is our oyster at this point so, <laughs> so as so on my side of things i think that i think my highlight is the resurgence of edinburgh and the actual um side of things where we're, we're actually we were we were a good team in sporadic moments um, throughout the history of Edinburgh. You know, we've got to we've got to finals and we've got to quarterfinals, etc. But as a whole, our league position was fairly mediocre. And actually, with the with the the, the bringing on of Cockrell um, and then the Mike Blair, hopefully, is going to be years rather than year. Um, I think the resurgence of Edinburgh has been my highlight, um, just because we're now providing more players to the Scotland team, um, and we're also, um, you know, doing a very, very good job of staying at, at the at the better end of the league. There, that was I a big call. You though, was... Saturday there, and I'm disappointed. 
That was a big call, though, Ian, looking back on it. Scott, you know, the SI stamping up the cash for Richard Cockrell because he'd left Leicester, but he was, you know, he was at Toulon and potentially, you know, probably up for a job in France of some sort, and you would think that would be big money. So he wouldn't have come cheap to the SIU, but that that's quite a big call looking back at it. It was. It was bold, but, um, you know, they'd... Well, they they tried the sort of promoting from uh, within, and it hadn't really worked. Um, and you know the kind of personality Cockrell is, uh, as we all know how it ended. But you know he's one of these people who, once he walks in the door, he's going to demand respect. He's going to you know put boots to asses, as the Rock might say, uh, and get a wee bit extra out of players. And also, let's not forget he was a you know a very decorated player, and he had done very well at Leicester. Um, you know, he had a specific way of playing which he he knew was effective, and he brought that to Edinburgh's play, which made them harder to beat. And then, then you've got you know backline talents like Duhan van der Merver, like Blair Kinghorn, um, <laughs> and whatnot. And then Darcy Graham, then you know, it, um, it allows you to become a, a dangerous team. I wonder the, the thing is, that John. The, obviously, when Cockrell came in, one of the things we suspected, I think we speculated on the podcast, was that the SRU brought him in knowing that if things went bad with Gregor Townsend, there was somebody who they could slot straight in as a, who's got the potential to be an international coach. And you wonder whether the reason why the SRU were were more than happy for him just to go is that that was no longer a worry. I I think that's absolutely a hundred percent right, Cammy. I think, I think Richard Cockrell would have been absolutely rubbing his hands at the prospect of a Scottish head coach's position when the era we were talking about there where maybe Townsend wasn't getting the results in 2019, 2020, when things seemed to be going quite pear-shaped. When the clock was ticking. The clock was ticking, one minute to two night, um, and and Finn Finn was having one too many beers. You know, Cockrell would have been looking at that and thinking, yeah, you know what, I think that call's coming. And credit where it's due, you know, Townsend's stuck with what he was doing he he's, he's, he has made changes he's accepted you know there was elements that needed to change and results have improved and I do think I think Cockrell is a coach that has do you know I think Cockrell is a coach that's going to suit international rugby really well and what I mean by that is he's not going to have people around him very often and <laughs> he's, he's, he's going to have you know almost like he's got a shelf life he has a, a two to three year shelf life where, you know, if you're around him every day for two to three years, he is going to break you and make you want to batter him. If you extend that out to an international coach, he could have a six year career at international level and not have Mauro Atoji want to stab him. So, you know, it's just, um, I, th- I think international rugby will work well for Richard Cockrell. Um, and certainly, I think the RFU, we laughed about it at the time, you know, the idea, let's get Richard Cockrell and uh, Eddie Jones in a room together, and let's see how that brain's trust works. But we're I think getting to see that now, aren't we? Their succession planning, I think, is is actually quite sensible. And I, I would go as far as to say, I think England would be a better team under Richard Cockrell just now than Ooh. they will be under Eddie Jones. Can I ask the to Johnny, John, and Ian? And I'll start with you, Johnny. Craig's talked about Embers progression and there's a clear progression i think on the life of the podcast for edinburgh 
I don't know that there's a line of progression for Glasgow. I don't know whether it's down or wobbly for the last five years. I think it's it's had a couple of dips, definitely. But and like I, d- I don't want to sound like I'm deliberately trying to wind Craig up or anything, but <laughs> first time in your first time in. <laughs> it's it's a lot easier for Edinburgh to go from averaging eighth or ninth to to where they are now than it is for Glasgow to stay in the top three or four teams. Like there there's nowhere for us to go really other than as good as Leinster or down. And I don't I don't think as good as Leinster is really that achievable. Um, but we, I mean we've definitely had some seasons that have been ropier than others. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would be judging Glasgow and Edinburgh by the same yardstick, because Ed- Edinburgh, I think, have had periods where they've been as good as Glasgow, and just now they've probably got there's probably going through a period where they're actually better than Glasgow. But you know, like I say, it's easier to get from mid mid table to the top bit than it is to stay at the top bit or even start to be the one who wins it every year. Yeah, that's fair, John. Do you know? Yeah, yeah, yes, I do. And actually, like, so my gut reaction to that question, Cammy, was: Have Glasgow went backwards in the last five years? And I, I, I would have happily said they have ran backwards. They have accelerated backwards faster than referees marching as backwards at penalties. But they're knackered running, running up the travelator in gladiators. Yeah, exactly. Well, Glasgow basically practiced running backwards up the travelator. Um, you know, but actually, when you think about it, right, so 2017, um, 20, well, 2018, Glasgow were unbeaten under Dave Rennie for, for the, and they lost the, the playoff to the Scarlets. 2019, we made the final. Um, I think... Again, it's funny, I, I, there's a theme coming in here. 2019 for me was like, apparently the year Scottish rugby just flipped on its head. Because I think Glasgow have went back a massive amount since 2019. I think we've we've recruited very bad. This year is um, a positive. I think we've recruited across the board really badly. And we all know my view on the coaching setup, so I'm not going to go there again. But I think we have, we've just recruited, we've got the wrong people in the wrong jobs, and we have the wrong personnel. We have an aging squad, we're relying on leaders who are no longer leaders. Prior to 2019, we had a team that was exciting, and we had continued almost the Townsend legacy through. But I agree, I agree with Johnny's point that it's harder to judge when you're going directions like that. It's hard to judge a team that's been in a final two years ago uh, and is no longer maybe performing quite at that, that and is in transition from that against a team that were finishing, you know, 10th, 11th in the in the, in the the table and Cockrell came in and made them a side, a very, very good side. So it is that you have to compare them differently. Yeah. Um, the other, I, I'm conscious of time. And we, you know, we're, we're we're getting towards the end of the podcast. I want to talk very briefly about kind of the, and we we've talked about on the podcast the last few weeks. I think it's important to kind of notice the kind of progression of women's rugby in Scotland. I think over the last five years, because we probably, if we're honest, we didn't give it much attention. I think in the early days of the podcast, then we kind of tried, but it was, it, I think, John, it 
because you kind of I think were you on from episode two with me? Um, yeah, so I, I'm uh, yeah, so it was yourself. I think episode one was yourself, Rory, and possibly Brody. Ga- Brody and Gal. Oh, it was four um, of us. Yeah, there was four yeah. of us for the first one. I and think then we cut. We, and then we cut it for the bandwidth purposes. <laughs> yeah, to three. Because four um, Skype. My my dial-up internet at the time couldn't cope. Yeah, uh, I I uh, I joined I joined you in episode two. That's right. Yeah. So but I think it was the, the early days of the podcast. I think one we, if we're, if we're honest, we we just didn't give it the attention it it no. should have had. I think later on, then we probably struggled to understand what to say about it when the you know they're going out there and getting beaten on a regular basis. It's kind of hard to analyze that and be fair. Yeah. But I think more recently, one performances have improved. I think just the the the. I don't know why it's just been easier to kind of cover it and easier to talk about. And we've tried. I think we've probably having Craig on board's massively helped because Craig's obviously got you know a lot more knowledge of women's rugby in Scotland than we do. But it's it's there's definitely been a progression, not enough, but there has been quite a significant jump in the last five years. I would say. Yeah, I, I think I think that's fair, and I think you could probably relate that quite clearly to an an improvement in the SRU's output in marketing and certainly the exposure of the women's game globally um because believe it or not we are all guys who are our, our, our primary job is not to go to rugby matches and watch them uh, we have other things to do so quite often you know some of the analysis we're doing on stuff is we've caught a highlights package or you know we've watched the game on catch-up games on the television that's a great start so for me, I think the analysis really improved as we were able to get more access to the games. And obviously, we've had Ian's been along to the, the women's games uh, for the Six Nations uh, a few times. And uh, those episodes were really great because having him there, he was able to then just like giving the insight. And I always remember Ian talking about the Scotland-Wales game and talking about how Scotland were probably the better team overall. They've got the better players, but their scrum got moored. And that was the tur- that was that was the only thing that was wrong, and Scotland lost the match quite comfortably. So, like being able to hear someone talking about that, and actually, it gets you thinking, and you start to know the names. You get you start to see players. There's you know there's women's players now that we're all you hear the name, and you can picture te- ten highlights from their you know their uh, highlights package that you've seen. So. Yeah, the the filming thing for me is a massive part of it, and long way that continue. The more the more exposure, and it's only going to improve. Yeah. Do you see? Have you seen that, Craig? Then that progression in women's rugby the last five years. Um. <clears throat> yes, and there's a there's a plus and a minus for it um, overall. Um, the plus point is the we're we're getting far more um, access to it, and it's been taken far, far more seriously by a mixture of uh, the public and also the SRU. Um, we've had an explosion over the last five years of um, of more more women playing rugby and more teams within the club game uh, arriving on the scene. And the clubs are taking it more seriously now, whereas it, it, you, you, know, you used to get the corner bit of the, the worst pitch to go and train on. Whereas now you're getting, you know, they're training with the senior men. They're becoming a, a senior section rather than the, than than the the senior men and the senior women. So clubs are are now pushing it far, you know, are now 
more uh, they have accepted it, they've, they've equalised their, their, their outlook on rugby. But on the international stage, I think it's slightly going backwards, not on not on Scotland's side, but as uh, women's rugby as a whole, where you find the gap between the haves and the have-nots have increased dramatically. Um, and the issue we have really right at this moment in time is that my concern is that the social media and the 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 the, the TV um, uh, viewing figures could get to a point where it starts to plateau because of the fact that anyone who's going up against England are looking to be handed their yeah you know handed a fairly big loss. So on my side of things, if for uh, for in five years' time, if we look if we look at a, the tenth anniversary of the Scottish Rugby podcast, I would I would really hope to see that that we're in a situation where we've addressed a balance of um of uh, professional women, um uh, the, the professional women's game in Scotland, and 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 um at least give, paying them a decent wage and, and and allowing them to be professional athletes, um and then we'll go from there. But yeah, as I say, it's it's the, one of the biggest growing sports in the UK. It's it, and and really, it's been a fantastic success uh, within Scotland and within the club game. We just need to now start pushing the SRU to to push it more to the elite level. Yeah. News like today, of course, Craig helps that because you know the, the women's Six Nations will have its have a title sponsor for the mm. first time in this history this year. And again, it's block-related to TikTok. TikTok, TikTok. Yeah, so Cammy's, Cammy's favourite social media platform is going to be sponsoring the Women's Six Nations this year. Uh, it's going to be sponsored for the next four years. It's a four-year deal, which obviously shows a massive commitment on, on the part of everyone to just really try and grow this. And I think that, like, I know Rory had commented in our little side chat that we have about it being, you know, it's, a, it's like a, a definite millennial grab, but Let's see how it works. I think, but that's but that's the audience. That's the that's like Craig said. That's the audience that there yeah. for the grab, right? Mm -hmm. You're not going. You're going to have a, if the older heads and more, you know, established rugby fans and all the people in rugby. If they're a fan of women's rugby in Scotland, they're already a fan of. You're not going to change the mind, the hearts and minds of people who are either for whatever reason already against it because they're massive misogynists, or who just aren't interested. The way in is to bring in a new audience, and it's going to be people who don't aren't already interested in rugby. I think interested the number of I think the women players when you when you kind of hear their interviews, a lot of them haven't come from rugby backgrounds. I mean, I remember we had Rona Lloyd on the podcast early doors talking to Rona Lloyd and she, you know, she was at a school in Tynecastle. I think Bruce Aitchison was a teacher at one point, so I think he would have got her in. But it was because of women's rugby the professional well not professional, but Scotland women's rugby players turned up at a school one day and she'd never heard of you know, but she had a rugby, but you know, she, it got her interested, and that's and now she's one of our best players, yeah. and so I can absolutely see that that's the way to go. Um, there's so much we could talk about over the last five years of Scottish rugby. We're going to cover some of it probably in the Patreon podcast. We got we can get on to Mark Johnson or Keith Russell. If, if you're interested in women's rugby, uh, yeah. If if you if you've heard if you've heard these discussions, when you like know more about women's rugby, um, the uh, the final. The Tenants Women's Premiership Final yes. is on at Merseyside this Saturday. Uh, 1.30 kick-off at Swatsonians versus Hillhead, Georgian Hill. Um, there will be Scottish internationals on show. Mm. Uh, Lee yeah. off the top of my head, should be playing for Hillhead, Georgian Hill. Yeah, 
get yourself along. Thank you, Ian. Uh, yeah, there's lots we could have covered, though we didn't get on to Cats at Rave. We didn't get on to Mark Dodson and Keith Russell. So we could have... I, you know, I think there's time. I think there's, there's time, time on, Look, the, on, we'll on, the, on the Patreon. Patreon. We'll maybe touch on it in the Patreon podcast. But that, before we go, though, I think a constant discussion point on this podcast for certainly the last three years has been the Exeter Chiefs branding. And today, on you know the, the day we're recording the fifth anniversary podcast, they finally announced that they are changing their branding to a Cornish figure. And I know they're from Devon, and now they're probably going to have a whole other Twitter war with Cornwall. <laughs> but I'm not getting involved. We don't need to get involved. You can't oh. culturally appropriate something. You can't culturally appropriate a Cornish pasty. <laughs> we're out of the EU now. You can't oh, it's not one of those lost hated not, foods. Not until we're out of the EU now. It doesn't count. Oh. <laughs> that's all Brexit. 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 Well, yep. well look what you've done, Nigel. Our brothers <laughs> and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, they finally changed today. And I just, you know, we, we've said it on Twitter already, but just, you know, I think, and we've said it on the podcast before, but the fans from Exeter who've worked really hard and in the face of some quite horrific abuse and harassment yeah. from their own fans and have very quietly in a dignified way got this through, um, you know, full credit to them. And I really hope that they're able to kind of, you know, fall back in love with the club again. I was there. Sorry, sorry. I was there at Sandy Park to watch Warriors uh, at the end of 2019, and it was great. Like, lovely city, really nice fans. The majority of their fans really, really nice. Made us really welcome. Are in almost every other way, Exeter are are a big success story of a club. Apart from this one massive black cloud, which is finally disappearing. And I think it's going to be really nice to have Exeter now as a as a club that yep. you can kind of look up to because everything else they've done has been been incredible. Like the way they've got the got to where they are, winning premierships and European cups and things from where they were, is just is fantastic. They're, all their fans were so welcoming. The majority of them have been on board with the branding change for a couple of years now. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm really really chuffed for Chiefs for change because they've done a power of work and. You know, like Cammy says, people have been so horrible to them, and and they were dignified through the whole thing. But the majority of the Exeter fan base, I think, should be should be really happy. And I I had a great time down there. So I think, well, and the one really positive thing that's come out of all this is we've all learned a lot. And I think particularly the journey that rugby has made to communities that don't traditionally play it. I mean, we wouldn't have got to know what Iroquois roots. Yeah. We wouldn't have got to, to you know have those kind of connections forged with those communities, you know, across across the ocean. And I think that's really good. And I think those relationships will continue. You know, Exit Chiefs have changed; they've laid a lot of connections over in the states, and it's really encouraging to see you know, Blood and Mud sponsor a team a team over there. They've got their sponsorship on the on their shorts, which is fantastic. Yeah. So all these connections have, have got all these really positive, good things have actually come out of something bad. So it's. You know, there's a lot of positive come out of it. I would say I was I was speaking to somebody from Exeter today who was um, doing some training at work, and he said, "Oh, um, what do you know about Exeter?" And I said, "Oh, actually," I told him. <laughs> and he said, "Oh, yeah." He said, "I was so," and we were talking to a group of people. Said, oh, "I was really pleased when they got rid of the 
the big chief and, and everybody in the room wasn't weren't rugby fans they were oh my god they were doing that and we're like yeah. yeah and then when he said yeah and they got rid of the big chief mascot and went, oh well at least they did that i said oh no 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 no. then they brought in a bird and they called him tom tom o'hawk and they're like oh my god I was and they're going, was this like a couple of years ago no this was literally six months ago <laughs> I, I had this conversation last night with a, a with a non rugby fan, and uh, yeah, the incredulous sort of like they did what really? It, yeah, <laughs> it, it was lovely. To all these people who then were kind of like rolling their eyes, going, "Oh, typical rugby kind of you know, it's the kind of thing we'd expect." It was nice to go after lunch and say, "Actually, you know, what we were talking about this morning. If I happenstance, they've changed the branding." Nice to see. Can, can we just address the elephant in the room though? Tony Rowe clearly listens to the podcast. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, because I think I think what's happened here is Tony Rowe knows it's her birthday and has clearly been following your socials, Cam. And That's it. Knows, knows that we delayed it from last night, obviously, and said, you know what? I am going to release on that day because then those boys... I'm, basically, it's like getting married on someone's birthday. It's really Do you know what it is, John? It wasn't <laughs> that on someone's wedding day. It was, the, it was the Glasgow game where I sent the Exeter social media group <laughs> repeated <laughs> videos of bagpipes <laughs> because they banned the bagpipes and I replied that to was every honestly tweet. some of your best work recently. I know I enjoyed that a lot I'd like to there's think a lot that of commitment were... to that I know I'd like to think just the sheer thought of me sending them more bagpipe videos <laughs> made them crack so Tony we can't cope with this anymore there's man sending yeah. us the same there's... clip of someone playing Flower of Scotland on a bagpipe <laughs> There's a madman uh, sending bagpipes, and there's Glasgow <laughs> fans in the crowd shouting, uh, tell, telling, us, telling us what we are, and the stewards they don't agree. Have any of you watched the eight minute video he's done yet? That's yeah, I haven't. I haven't. There's, not a, there's, not, there's, not a, there's not a picture of Hoggy in there at all. I'm just so disappointed. It's as if he's leaving or something. No. Um, <laughs> If he doesn't turn, if he doesn't turn up for the Scotland camp, we know he's probably buried under that bloody business park that Tony was trying to build. This is where this is where Hoggy Lane is going to be. <laughs> the, one, the one that we we bought the middle ground and called it Centre Parks. Um, Look before before we get on to things that are getting laid in Exeter. Let's just move on. Oh, oh <laughs> to the Patreon podcast. Bravo. So. We will say farewell to our normal listeners this week. Thank you very much for all the listening that you've done and all the support to everybody over the last five years. We, we, we're very grateful to it, to you. And um, we, you know, we we love our patrons. But we also love our regular listeners as well. So you've, you, you're a big part of what makes us enjoy doing the podcast. We'll be back next week. We have a Six Nations preview next week. Um, as we we lead into the Calcutta Cup, it's always it's getting exciting. Now we're going to have our big. Dodiade finale, um, where Johnny's going to reveal how we're all doing. Um, we're not going to say anything tonight. John, what I will say is apparently John John is beating us all, which John thinks is a big thing, given that some of us aren't even trying and are just recording the walk to school and back. Look, well Ma- done, John. McGinty is <laughs> McGinty's clearly like he he drinks protein shakes on the podcast. <laughs> so the fact that I let's be clear. Tammy, Johnny, and Craig combined, admittedly, are less than a mile behind me, but there is three of them. Right. John, John, I logged a mile the other day because my daughter went to football and I watched her. I was like, <laughs> she's part of this. She can have a mile. <laughs> she's like a mile down. 
I've just been logging. I've just been logging my, my my kilometers from tonight and from knocking the dogs and everything just to the night, just to. Johnny, we're I talking think, about. I, sometimes I think we're the only people taking. This I know. Seriously. I know. <laughs> I can't believe he's. Anyway. I can't believe he stood on the sideline and he's logging that. The pair of them talking. Anyway, attached it to his door. <laughs> anyway that's it from us for this week we'll be back next week if you're watching live on the patreon stream hang around and we'll 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 be back very shortly but for the moment it's goodbye from me and goodbye from johnny john craig and ian Bye.